0: This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. Now in our second decade of bringing you the best independent New York Red Bulls news and opinion with your hosts, Mark Fishkin and Joe Goldstein. New York wins for the first time in three weeks, getting another positive result at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It's Seeing Red tonight. Mark Fishkin here with Joe Goldstein will go inside the win at the... At the home away from home for Red Bull soccer. That's Mercedes-Benz. We'll give our bowl of the night. With the East so, so tight. It's another six-pointer coming up on Saturday night at six. That's against FC Cincinnati. We'll preview that match uh, at Red Bull Arena. Where Red Bulls have won just three times in 12 games this year. Which is absolutely confounding. We'll go around the East. It's a treat tonight. as Our guest is... MSG play-by-play announcer Steve Cangelosi. We've even got a few emails as
1: well. We've been away for a week. Very happy to be back. Joe, how are you, sir? See, we had to go away so that the team, I guess, could turn its fortunes around. Uh, (laughs) I'm very glad to be here talking about a win, a much-needed win. Yes, because I, I
0: did not want to talk
1: about a scoreless draw at D.C., and I did
0: not want to talk about a home loss to Orlando, but we don't have to talk about any of them because they're so far in the rear view now. New York went down to Atlanta and did everything that they are supposed to do in the first 15 minutes of the game, which is score goals. Um, they, at a time when... Perhaps things looked a little clueless in the attack against Orlando. This team,
1: Joe, knew exactly what they wanted to do, and they went out and did it. Well, absolutely. And they, they got those two big goals in uh, the first 15 minutes of the game. That is uh, absolutely huge. I think the token goal, uh, everybody's kind of holding their breath on that VAR review. Understandably. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, getting, getting that second goal was obviously critical. Uh, it ends up being the winning goal. And then I think the offense went back to being a little bit clueless. I think that there are moments in the first half, but there are so many, so many wasted opportunities, but they've got those first two. And so we can give them a little bit of leeway, but given recent history, I think that there was still a lot of nerves around uh, the way that the team was going to come out in the second half and great, you know, maybe not great first half, but very good first half. They controlled the game. I thought Dan Edelman uh, put in a fantastic ship yes um, did just about everything right and uh, I mean when you walk into the locker room up to nothing and and holding Atlanta you know kind of uh, at bay for the entire first half, you got to feel good about that.
0: Well and, and let's be frank, this is not the 2017 2018 Atlanta United. it's not. they're they're at the bottom of the east for a reason. And yeah. um, Atlanta allowed them so much space for them to work in, in the Red Bulls attacking third. I mean, I think I counted five or six passes back to the spot over the course of the first half hour of the game. <clears throat> and then after that, it was um, it was Lukinyas and Casseros that were springing Klamala left, right, and center with fantastic... Uh, the line breaking balls. And, you know, if, if you want to spend time talking about Klamala and his finishing, we certainly can. He led the team in, in shots for the night. He led the team in shots on goal for the target. Yeah. Yes. And he hit the target. Not every shot was challenging. He had a flying header that was, uh, you know, needed an incredibly skillful save from Rios Novo to stay out of the net. And, you have to think at some point if he gets opportunities like that and he has not had opportunities like he had last night in some time yeah, where he's got the ball running at the goal, you know, heading into the box three or four times. And did he score? No. But the fact of the matter is the Red Bulls did enough. Atlanta has had 73% possession. Um, I want to ask you, did Struber get his subs right? Because, he did something that we haven't seen in some time for for a team of his, which is go to five in the back.
1: Yeah, I I don't think that the issue was necessarily uh transitioning to five in the back. Because I think as you watch the you know the last 20 minutes of that game, Atlanta is just piling everybody forward. Right. They're, they're, I mean, that's the script from just about any team. Um and their goal really I mean it comes from uh, a little tiny bit of luck, some really smart running from uh, Joseph Martinez. Yeah. Um, I think when you look at what Atlanta wanted to do at the end of the game and you bring in guys like Harper and Barlow, you know, you're looking to just essentially keep the back line honest for Atlanta. Yes. And there were a couple spots where it looked like, you know, maybe something good uh, can come out of it. It didn't quite work. Um, uh, The, the I think the the issue that I had with not necessarily the subs but the approach is that once the Red Bulls were dropping deeper, they were allowing those second balls to be picked up uh, in front of them. and I don't I don't think that was necessarily the the issue of the personnel that was on the field uh, but just sort of the approach to the end of that game.
0: Well, regardless, New York got across the finish line. With all three points, I mean, giving up, conceding with 90 seconds left in the game, certainly not ideal. You want to keep the clean sheet. But New York did enough to win, and they did win. And it was their first win in three weeks. And the team ended a four match competitive winless streak. And it should be celebrated because Absolutely. they worked incredibly hard. They were incredibly sharp, creating opportunities in attack in a way that we haven't seen
1: in a couple of games. Yes. And do you know do you know why that is? There's a, a big reason here. Is Lewis Morgan put in a good yeah. shift defensively? It ends. wasn't wasn't just him in front of the goal. And that was the thing that we were talking about last time out. Is that uh, when he plays in a more laxed role that is looking strictly at you know getting the goal and creating chances or scoring them, he leaves a lot of space behind him. Lukinius is not necessarily a great defender. And so if you have all three guys up front really not contributing to the defense, things are going to be a lot harder. He comes out, he does it. It's a little bit easier to do against Atlanta, especially when you have Edelman essentially taking the middle of the field away from them. Uh, but it's really good to see him uh, bounce back like that.
0: Yeah, no, it, it, absolutely. And Struber gushed about him. And I, I asked him after the game, I was talking about Lewis Morgan, and he said, yeah, he got a goal. That's great. But it was because of his relentless defense and relentless working back and working against the ball that really helped um, New York stay ahead. So uh, good eye there, my friend. Um, uh Cornell made some quality saves in this game and kept New York in it. You can't fault him on the goal. Um, I thought he was a bit snake bit last week um, against Orlando on that goal. Not, yeah. Funky bounce, tight angle. Um, But I thought he, he played incredibly well and New York stays in a place uh, where they they got closer to the rest of the teams they're chasing, uh, and they put a little bit of distance between the teams chasing them. Um, you have a bull on the night.
1: Hmm. It's it's going to be outside of the box bull because uh, we didn't talk about him at all so far. Uh, but I think a guy that contributed uh, pretty heavily here, along with Danny Edelman, was. Uh, Christian Caceres, especially on those first two goals, I thought he, he played a really nice game overall uh, and deserves it.
0: I'm going to give mine to John Tolkien because I thought that, uh, you know, congrats on, on your second goal for the team. And yes, we had to wait probably five minutes for it, but VAR did its job um, and got it right. And I, I think that Tolkien continues to level up uh, with every single match, and he he just kept running. I mean, his, his engine yeah. has got to cool down sometime, um, <laughs> but he, he did not. Uh, and, no longer and a teenager. That's right. That's right. He's not a teenager. He's a 20 something now. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, and I, I think I want to give part of it to Lewis Morgan as well, because yeah. without his play, this team would be lost. He's leading the, the team in goals. He's on double digits and 11 MLS goals. He has more goals in the cup. And he he has been worth every single penny. That uh, in in pretend Garber bucks that New York <laughs> shoveled to Miami to get him. All Do right. we
1: have a stat of the last time that we've had a striker with eleven goals?
0: No, but I will absolutely. Uh, when you talk talking at length later, I will I will pull <laughs> okay. it out. All right. Um, Saturday at six, the Red Bulls host FC Cincinnati. he uh, is eight eight and nine for thirty three points. They're tied on points for seventh in the East, but due to tiebreakers, they are outside the playoff zone in ninth. They have the fourth best attack in the East. They have the joint worst defense in the East and the second worst defense in all of MLS. They're seven points in five places below the Red Bulls. Uh, They've scored 42 goals. That's good. And they've conceded 45 goals. That's bad. In 25 matches. Woof. Um, Since he has an incredible attack, Right, we know about Brenner and Brandon Vasquez and Luciano Acosta. We saw them in Cincinnati earlier this year do just that, um, but the defense has, has really let them down. And as you may know, they have signed uh, former Red Bull homegrown Matt Miazga to to bolster their center uh, their, their um, center back position. And this uh, clearly will be the first time that uh, Miazga will have faced the Red Bulls. So that's. Uh, that's definitely interesting. Um, since he hasn't lost since July 18th, a 2 0 loss to Columbus. They're 1 0 oh, 3 in that stretch. Their only loss in a nine game stretch where they drew six times. Um, they're sixth in the East, away from home, with a four-four-and-four four, four record for sixteen of their thirty-four points. That's a that's a pretty solid road record. That's point. That's not the Red Bulls' road record, but it's points in eight of twelve games. They haven't kept a clean sheet, Joe, in nine MLS matches, and that's I think the key for New York. Going backwards, last week uh, they hosted Atlanta. They scored first. Uh, they conceded first. They scored two, and then Andrew Gutman got the goal in the 83rd minute. Former Red Bull, out on loan um, for the 2-2 draw. Before that, their lone win, a shocking 3-0 win over Philadelphia, just one of four times that the Union lost. uh, They took a 3-0 lead in this match on goals by Vasquez, Brenner, and Barreal. Before that, at Miami, a wild 4-4 draw, and they have a lot of these games. They have a lot of very high-scoring uh, games again because they their defense is suspect and their attack is very strong. Before that, a 1-1 home draw to Nashville, where Vasquez scored to even the match in the 52nd minute, and uh, five games ago, their last loss at um, Columbus in Hell is Real, uh, a 2-0 loss to the crew. The teams have played nine times. The Red Bull leads 5-2-2. Uh, two, and two. New York unbeaten in their last three against Cincy, including the 1-1 draw back on July 9th, which feels like it's about three years ago with everything this team has undergone (laughs) since then. July 9th? That's like the dark ages. Um, Leading scorer uh, against Cincy all-time is both BWP and Kaku. Each have two goals. Duncan, Omir, and Morgan each have one goal. Here's Pat Noonan's most likely eleven. Um Roman Celentano, the young American, continues. I mean, he's a quality goalkeeper. He he does concede a lot of goals, but he's a draft he's a super draft pick. It's his first year in the league, and he will only get better. Um five in the back for Noonan, Alvaro Barrial, an Argentine with four goals and four assists from the left. Matt Miazga and Jeff Cameron, former US men's national team teammates, uh, and Nick Hagland as well are the three center backs, Alvis Powell, the Jamaican, who I think is on his seventh or eighth MLS team um, with two assists. And then the um, the midfield line, um, Unwobo, I, I totally destroyed that. The Nigerian with an assist, Junior Moreno, the Venezuelan, with two goals, and in the middle, it's Luciano Acosta with six goals and nine assists. And up top the two forwards, Brandon Vasquez, fifteen and four for the young American, and Brenner, the Brazilian, who was on the verge of the outs before he started picking it up with nine goals and four assists. And so Joe, New York comes back. They're playing on short rest. Luquinhas uh you know had a significant performance uh, the other night. Lukinas hasn't picked up a point in some time. Yeah. Um, you had, um, you had Klamala playing the majority of the match. Uh, I'm curious, you know, I would have thought that this would have been the night for squad rotation. Maybe it's the home game and they'll just play their first, their first team on the road at this point.
1: Yeah. Cause why, why, why win at home? You know? Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, they haven't been able to do it. They ha- they're not doing it, but, um, yeah I I think that I think that you know maybe part of that rotation is getting uh, Amaya some more rest. I don't know maybe he's on the outs with Struber but um, maybe his form has just dipped. Maybe his form is dipped. I mean Edelman uh, is obviously making it tough for Struber to pick who to put there. What it was already a difficult job with the with both Drew Yearwood and and is doing well. Um so that'll be interesting to see how he handles that. I mean we know what Cincinnati wants to do. They want to play very physical. They want to try to beat you uh, with a ball on the ground uh, in behind your back line. Brandon Vasquez running off the back line has been terrific all year. We know what they bring to the table. The question is, uh, are the Red Bulls going to show up and look like they did after they scored the goal against Cincinnati or like (laughs) they did before it? And uh, hopefully there's a little bit of pep in their step uh, from getting the win against Atlanta. I think that you probably – even though uh, Clemo played most of the game the other day, I think he's probably going to start again and run out there. It was a good performance from him, despite not scoring. I think it's just a question of uh, managing minutes, not making stupid mistakes, not giving up a lot of uh, uh, chances to Cincinnati in and around the box. Um, They've won twice, twice since May. That's an insane run. Yeah, Uh, They can be dangerous, but we, we... Kind of like how uh, uh, the Ben Olsen quote that I always bring up. New they're York. gonna give you chances. Right. You're gonna be able to get back in the game. You just can't can't lose sight of Vasquez, Acosta, and Brenner. And if the Red Bulls can play those three guys and play them tight, it will make everything else difficult. You, maybe they can go uh, Jeff Cameron or Matt Miazga into a red card. You know, they pester defenses. <laughs> <laughs> Last time out was a little bit wild with two red cards from Cincy. I wonder if there's going to be a, a little bit of extra juice in Miazga's, uh, I don't know, what what basket. Oh, that doesn't make sense. Juice in uh, Coming basket.
0: back. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it? he'll be excited. I'm, I'm yeah. sure he'll have a nice cheering crowd. Maybe someone can tell Cameron about New Jersey's pro-choice stance and they can, mm. can have a, a thrombo over that. That'll get him out of yeah, it, yeah. That'll get him angry. Yeah. Um, Let's take a look at the uh, let's take a look at the East and preview the weekend. This is so New York does not play any more Western conference teams the rest of the season. It's all in the conference. New York is the one team that still has games against. Philly and Montreal and New York City, the three teams ahead of them, which makes their strength of schedule um, second toughest in all. Excuse me. D.C. United is the only other team that plays those three teams um, going down the stretch. So let's preview the weekend and talk about where everyone is. D.C.U. is not going to make the playoffs. They're 11 points below the line. They're 14th and they're playing the top ranked uh, union who lost last night in Dallas.
1: I can't imagine Union are going to drop two in a row, and especially not to DC. No. Uh, I, I would have guessed they win that one. All right.
0: Um, next up, the uh, Club de Foot, Montreal. They're number two with 43 points, and they're taking on a Revs team that gutted out a 2 2 draw in Toronto last night.
1: And I, they've been kind of frustrating teams lately and getting draws. I think uh, they're going to do the same thing to Montreal. Well, that that would be great because yeah. holding them up, I think, is important.
0: Number eight, Miami on thirty-three points, taking on the Reds, whose uh, Italians are, you know, marinating.
1: I think if if the first choice lineup comes out for Toronto, Miami's in a world of hurt. All right. Uh, That's Saturday. Sunday,
0: and again, 14 teams in the East, seven games every team is playing in the conference this weekend. Sunday, Columbus, number five on 34 points. They are hosting Atlanta United. And you have to think, I mean, Atlanta, they're trying to get out of second gear. They're only four points below the line. So they can have a good week and find themselves right in the mix.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's going to start this week, though. I think Columbus has their number uh, and will win that one. All right, the Chicago Fire, who have come off a bit of
0: late, um, they're on 30 points. They're 11th in the East, and they host a city team who lost at home, Red Bull Arena, to Charlotte
1: last night. They haven't won in four, and I don't think they're going to do it here either. I think Chicago takes it. Mm, that would be delicious. Uh, the aforementioned CLTFC
0: on 10 points. They're uh, in 10th in the East, excuse me, on 32 points. They host Orlando just above the line in 7th. At home, Charlotte's going to win. All right. And then lastly, our match, 6 o'clock on Saturday night, it's Bucket Hat Night at Red Bull Arena. Uh, The Red Bulls hosting FC Cincinnati, New York, on
1: 40 points, and FCC on 33 I, I'm feeling pessimistic about this one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why, but I'm going to say 1-0 uh, FC Cincinnati.
0: Okay. This game is not going to end one nothing with the, the firepower that Cincinnati has. I'm going to call it a 3-2 win for the Red Bulls because I'm feeling optimistic and that will lift New York into third place over City. Um, as those that uh September 17th game at Yankee Stadium looms looms large Both- see w- w- oh sorry yeah,
1: I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna jump in with this real yeah. quick the one good thing about the Red Bulls having that schedule is they have the most control over their ability to rise up that table because they have all these six point swings yep. so that even though it's it's a difficult schedule I think you know it having not having to look at the standings or look at other scoreboards to see if you can actually get there is a really good thing for this club.
0: Yeah, I think that's fine. And the fact that they have 11 wins um, just because that's the tiebreaker after points, right? So they're on mm-hmm. 40 points, but 11 wins Columbus, six points behind and two games at hand. They only have eight wins. Yeah. So in theory, uh, New York is in, in the four slot, at least for the time being. And again, to run down New York's schedule, uh, five out of eight remaining games at home home for Cincy, home for Miami, at Montreal, home for Philly, home for the Revs, at City, at Charlotte, and a decision day home match, which is relatively rare um, for Charlotte. So um, here we go. I do want to say before we go to break, there was a player that was photographed at practice today, Stephen Plaza. Is a twenty-three-year-old Ecuadorian that does have a couple of caps with the Ecuadorian national team, and he is out of contract at Real Valladolid, and he is training with the Red Bulls now. Whether or not that means that he is a guy that, in theory, could could sign on for the team or not, um, he is a pure center forward. He does not has not scored a ton of goals. In his career, uh, he has scored, uh, he got on the field for Real Valladolid B team. He had one goal in 11 appearances. Uh, and before that, Independiente de Valle in Ecuador, seven goals in 31 appearances as a youth player. So, you know, he's there. Hey, any help you can get. Any help you can get. Uh, Elias Manuel is not in the States yet. When we're back, we're gonna talk to Steve Cangelosi of MSG, keep it here. Hey, it's Mark. Our next partner has a product I recently became aware of and that's AG1 from Athletic Greens. So what is AG1? With one delicious scoop, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things, really. Um, It's lifestyle-friendly, so whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan like me, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it works with all those diets. And it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. Now, some of you, I know, take some type of multivitamin. Some of you take multiple multivitamins every day. It's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. And with AG1, it's cheaper, and you're getting all those different supplements yourself. It costs less than $3 a day, so if you're investing in your health, it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Uh, Athletic Greens is a climate-neutral, certified company, and for every purchase, they donate to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the US. And right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day, and that's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And now... Back to Seeing Red. Back on Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. Red Bulls looking to create a little momentum after a nice road win at Atlanta. Another nice road win at Atlanta, preparing for Cincinnati on the weekend. And we are uh, very, very happy to be once again able to share a conversation with the play-by-play voice of Red Bulls soccer on MSG. That's Steve Cangelosi. Steve, welcome back, sir. To seeing Red, how are you?
2: Can't say that much longer, can you? The play-by-play voice on MSG. I it's know. Good to be back with you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's
0: good to have you. Is there a sense of, I mean, when when we last spoke with you, sir, you you know you made um, very clear that you guys were going to finish out the run in an incredibly professional manner, and we've certainly seen that. Uh, do, do, does the crew have a, a real sense that this is a party that's coming to an end?
2: Yeah, I think so. You know, and I I think we'd like to go out on a high. I think we'd like to go out uh, with games that have tangible meaning, games that are exciting. Uh, You know, you're looking at what we have down the stretch, all conference games left, uh, a lot of games against teams that they're chasing down the stretch, uh, a decision day that might be fascinating. And you know, every year is different. We, we, we don't know exactly when we're stopping. Some years we get a playoff game. Some years we do not. Uh, but, yeah, we're treasuring every one of these experiences, and uh, we're trying not to tear up just yet.
0: Yeah, I, I totally understand that. Um, you want to share with this group anything about what your plans are beyond uh, the end of the season, or is it far too soon to say?
2: Uh, It's far too soon to say. Hopefully some news on that front soon, but uh, uh, some things in the works. But uh, no, nothing really uh, to announce yet and nothing really done yet. Not even being evasive at this point. Yeah,
0: yeah, I get that. Um, Let's talk about this team. Uh, They came off three pretty brutal weeks where – Either the defense wasn't clicking or the offense wasn't clicking, but rarely both clicking in the same match. And they're definitely hurting from the loss of Tom Edwards, although I think uh, squiring Kyle Duncan back to the team, at least through the end of the season, I think was positive. Um, You you were at practice today. What did you get a sense of around this team going into uh, a big weekend?
2: Well, a quick practice because, obviously, they played last night. They flew after the game. I think this was more video session and some tactical uh, mindset things more than anything else. Uh, it was upbeat, as you might imagine. Uh, the new head of sport, Jochen Schneider, uh, was at practice today. I got mm. to spend uh, some significant time with him, which was uh, nice. It was the first real long conversation uh, that I've had with him since uh his hiring. Uh He was with the team last night. He got his first look at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and loved it. And everybody, as you might imagine, was quite upbeat today in the aftermath of a win. Or I thought I really couldn't point to too much negative from anyone who contributed to last night's victory. Uh I, I thought so many players who are on the score sheet and not on the score sheet – uh did a wonderful job in an environment where it can be tough for teams against a team that was very hungry trying to keep its playoff hopes alive. And to see the Red Bulls come out in the first half and do what they did, Mark, and take a 2 nothing lead in relatively quick fashion uh, was impressive. And uh, I-, I think it was their just dessert. I think they were the better team last night. But this is a results-oriented business, and it's about time they got one that they can feel good about.
0: Yeah, and I think it really was a case last night of Atlanta truly playing into their hands in the sense that they're a possession team. They gave New York loads of space. Their defense was a bit of a shambles. They had a teenager uh, uh, playing left back, and he was exploited. And the the one thing that I think looked really good about the team is that they had a very – clear attacking strategy about what they wanted to do. They understood it, and they
2: did it. And Kyle Duncan was a big part of that in the matchup against Caleb Wiley, the 17-year-old that you're referring to. It's a little bit of good fortune for the Red Bulls, I think, in that I think there was some issue with Andrew Gutman not being able to play anything close to 90 minutes. It was something physical, and we kind of got wind of that Earlier in the day, 45 was about the maximum they were going to play him. And even if Wiley was going to be on that side, I think if they had aligned Gutman as a left side center back, that would have been a big help to the youngster. But as you talked about, the Red Bulls exploited that matchup and they did well. But it wasn't just Duncan. It wasn't just Lewis Morgan. I think there were a lot of different heroes on the night. And I guess I'm going to bounce this back to you and ask you a question. It can either be a rhetorical question or one that maybe you want to take a swing at, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, is John Tolkien the MVP of this team? Because even though I'm hesitant to use that verbiage when you're talking about a player who just crossed over into his 20s, I think you can make the case as being one of the two outfield players to play the most minutes. To be this guy who's done it with virtually no cover at that position is so impressive. And if we're not ready to call him the MVP of this team, I think we have to ask the question, is he at this young age right now maybe the most indispensable guy on the team? Because I thought last night he was terrific. And it comes in a situation where for the umpteenth time, I'm walking into the week saying, This is the week where they have to give this guy a rest. He can't play 90 minutes or something close to it. And there he is again making a run in what I think was like the 85th or 86th minute of the game, which was so uplifting unto itself. And then he scores a goal that's a little bit of a fluke, but it's everything that he deserved on the night and for what he's done recently.
0: Yeah, no, I I think the token is incredibly important to the team. If... If Lewis Morgan hasn't hit double digits in goals in the league, I think it's definitely him. I think uh, Mor- Morgan's contribution has been so important. And yes, he certainly has a number of penalties taken. But, um, and yes, there are times when he's been off the field. Uh, but Tolkien, as you said, has an engine that is seemingly endless. Thank goodness the kid has stayed healthy. And he continues to contribute uh, seemingly every match in a different way. I mean, it, it's, it's a very short list of players. And if I'm Tolkien, you know, we know that he's had uh, discussions with Greg Burhalter. We know that uh, I, I saw one uh, 22 under 22 or 20 under 20 list that had him written in as the best left back in that cohort in the league. And, and I mean, and at that age group, uh, you, you can't argue it. And so, I mean, the question I think the Rebel fans should be asking is, how long do we get to keep him? Because um, he is you know, really growing up before our eyes and making a massive, massive leap.
2: Yeah, and you could understand the rumors that we've heard, some alleged interest from Anderlecht. I haven't been able to dig up anything substantial on that, either on the record or off the record. One of the things that I think has helped him is, I mentioned there's really no cover at that position, and maybe the fact that there's no direct internal competition to take his starting job. But I still think we're looking at a situation where you can pick your moments to have Dylan Nealis maybe start a game out there. Kyle Duncan, who had some action on that left side of the field for the Red Bulls. And Tolkien is waving this flag to everybody saying, back off, it's my job, I've got this, and you love to see that mindset and I like that little sequence last night where Edelman gets knocked into the boards by one of the Atlanta players, yes. and there's 20-year-old John Tolkien sticking up for one of the few guys younger than him on the team. That scores points with people.
0: And, and I mean, personally, maybe I shouldn't have been shocked that Ted Uncle didn't seemingly let, let, let just let that play go, because <laughs> on, on replay, it was clearly... Uh, malintent there. Um, I, I don't want to steal any of your thunder from your discussion with Joachim Schneider, and I'm going to get a chance to talk to him on Saturday afternoon for the first time. Um, I think most Red Bull fans were, frankly, incredibly underwhelmed with the summer transfer window, which happened to coincide with a deep uh, drop in form for the team, um, seemingly at the exact same time. And at once, notwithstanding last night's win, at once, I think the the holes on this team are evident to anyone with a pair of eyes in terms of where the team needs help and... Red Bull, frankly, did not really come through in a major way. It was, uh, I think, fair to say a lot of uh, spackling of walls and and plugging of holes, but nothing that really blew anyone away. Um, And again, without taking anything about with your discussion from Schneider, I'm curious, um, you know, what what you what your thoughts are there.
2: Yeah. A little background here. I spent the better part of an hour with him today on camera and off camera. And it was, it was enlightening. Uh, and, uh, there's part of this that will air in the pregame on Saturday and part of this that will air at halftime. Uh, and you know, we'll try to pick, I guess what we felt uh, editorially are the best parts of the sit down. Uh, the transfer window was a little bit frustrating for him, I can tell, because for most of it, he was physically not here. OK, that doesn't mean he wasn't working. That doesn't mean he was in not in concert with Dennis Hamlet looking to get things done. And I got the impression he did not get done what he had on his checklist. We know the players that he was able to bring in, and to some degree, they might be able to make this a better team. But some of the things that you mentioned are evident. This team has had this everlasting search for a nine who can pop goals inconsistently, and that's something they were not able to bring in during this transfer window. Uh He has a press conference on Saturday, yeah. and I think in that press conference... There will be variations of one of the important questions that I posed to him today. And here's the way I phrased it that I understand the way Red Bull plays, the system and the kind of player that suits that system. But there's a history that precedes that system. And what I said to him was the most famous player to wear this kit is Thierry Henry. So if you have a player of equal talent, I asked him, of of Henri, who at the age of 32, which is how old Henri was when he came to this club, who says that he wants to play for the New York Red Bulls. Would the door be open for such a player? And he said definitely. He said definitely about three times. And he pointed to his own personal history, of wanting to get the veteran player the well-known veteran player who makes a difference for certain clubs and the example that he used for me without giving too much away is uh the mexican international Pablo pardo who's a wonderful player uh uh for el tree that he was able to pluck from club america and he winds up going to stuttgart which is where uh mr schneider was at the time and he winds up playing a big role in that team accomplishing some very special things so if your audience perhaps is cynical or skeptical enough to say i think those are dots that are incongruous and i'm not going to allow him or anyone to connect those for me Then so be it. I will not fight that fight on behalf of the Red Bulls or Schneider. But I do think it's significant that he did say, I'm aware of where we are in the pay scale in this league, which I believe, as you and I have this conversation now, is 24th overall in MLS, and I'm aware of what's going on in the rest of the league, whether it's Bernardeschi or Insigne or Gareth Bale. And he could not give me a definitive answer on whether or not he felt this was just a short-term pattern in MLS or where we're going long-term. I'll tell you this, the thing he did stress several times, even in the answer to the question that I just told you about, it's going to be a player that fits what we do. The model of how this team plans on getting results, I don't think, is going to change anytime soon.
0: All right. I appreciate you sharing a little bit of that. Uh, before we let you go, Steve, I just want to get your thoughts on Cincinnati this weekend. The two teams played a very, very scrappy, even match. Um, I think everyone was very impressed with Brandon Vasquez. During the game and he's being touted as a as a forward that could be a late add to the U.S. national team going into the World Cup. And I'm just curious of your thoughts on where the keys are for New York. And in addition, this absolutely um, confounding, dreadful year at home that they've had.
2: (laughs) It's three wins. And that's the great irony, right? We've spent so much time. I know I have personally. About the importance of a top four finish starting the playoffs at home. And here they are, a team that's been very hit and miss at home, obviously, with eight of their wins coming on the road to this point in the season. I'm kind of careful when we see a meeting with Cincinnati, like the one that played out at Q2 Stadium, to say, well, it was ugly that time. That means it's going to happen this time again at, at Red Bull Arena. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. What I think happened in that game specifically going back is I think Cincinnati had a plan as certain teams have this season to go after Lukinas, kick him, rough him up in the opening minutes, and then that sets the tone for the rest of the night. I think it'll be interesting to see what the Red Bull lineup is for this game because this is an extremely short turnaround, three days and travel involved in between. Lukinas, remember, has started twice in the past five days. Now, if he's right back out there and Pat Noonan and Acosta want to employ that strategy again, So be it. But I think it largely depends on how the Red Bulls line up for this game. Um, I think they think they have some unfinished business with Cincinnati. There was frustration at the end. There were two red cards in that game. And if you remember how that ended, Struber got a yellow card towards the end. And they never really got to play 11-9. v The referee that night, for some reason, just blew the whistle and decided, yeah, you're suspended. You're sent off. Good night, everybody. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, look. I do think the fact that the 191-minute scoreless drought is behind them is significant. Among the players I spoke to today, Mark, was Lewis Morgan. And I said to him, I know you haven't really suffered a long scoring drought at any point this season, but was that a relief the other night? And he goes, uh, no. He goes, I'm pretty good at self-policing myself. I know who I am. Mm. I know who I'm capable of. And there's never a point where I feel I have to start doing things differently to help my team. It was an answer that impressed me in the context of the conversation. I think they've got a weight off their back, which is my point of mentioning that. I think they'll play whatever their best game is with the personnel. I'll be surprised if they don't bounce back from their recent home woes and build off what happened in midweek and get a victory this week against Cincinnati.
0: Steve Cangelosi is your play by play man on MSG for Red Bulls games for the next few months. Steve, we will definitely speak to you as we get down toward the end of the season. And thanks so much for joining tonight on Seeing Red. I really appreciate it.
2: I hope so, Mark. Look forward to it all the time.
0: All right. We've got more Seeing Red coming up after this short break.
1: You're listening to Seeing Red.
0: Back on Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. Mark and Joe here. Getting you ready for the Red Bulls and FC Cincinnati at Red Bull Arena Saturday night at six p.m. on MSG. It's crazy to think, as as we look at the MSG mural ad uh, with some regularity, we're, we're, it's going to go away soon, and yeah. we're not going to see it. And I don't know what what will be here in in its place, but you know that guy and his family,
1: all the best. All right, we're
0: going to need a sepia
1: toned version. We will. With Tori Amos underneath. That's that's <laughs> where we're going with it. With slow motion. <laughs>
0: uh, we have two emails. I'll read the first one. Joe gets the... A very, very uh, succinct second one. Here's Ralph Savastano who writes, Mark and Joe, does Patrick Clamala have the player's confidence? This may seem like a silly question, since we're talking about a professional team. Or is the answer so obvious that there's no need to talk about it? A lot has been said about Klamala since he got to New York. I don't necessarily want to get into that. I want to know your thoughts specifically on last night's game, where Kyle Duncan seemed to be the player giving Klamala service. I think Klamala showed well last night. And must have had more touches on the ball. Kyle seems to be linking up with Klamala better than anyone on the team. Is this because Duncan hasn't been around the team this year to witness the team's dynamic or possible friction that Klamala is causing on the team? Do you think this speaks to the players not having confidence in him and possibly choosing not to give him the ball if given the option? Watching the games live give you a different perspective because you cannot, you can see the not so pleasant communication between teammates that the cameras don't pick up from my perspective. And it seems like Ralph may have been there last night. It seems like Klamala is not well liked on the team and it is showing on the field Do either of you get this sense. Thanks for all you do. That's Ralph Savistano in section 119. Ralph, thanks for writing Joe is, uh, is there a personality problem here?
1: I think that there, there can be some friction, but I don't think that he's necessarily getting more touches total uh, in last night's match versus what he's gotten uh, the rest of the season when he's out there. Uh, It's just where he's getting those touches that I think is important. And I have brought up the idea before that, um, you know, sometimes you'll see that he's making a run and his teammates kind of look off of him. And I think that that's something that developed about midway through this summer. Um, and it comes from those kinds of of things where you know he's got an errant touch, or he tries to do too much, and it, it winds up kind of backfiring. And I think that it uh, it snowballs, right? It gives him uh uh both gets in his sort head. of the it gets in it gets in his head in terms of his confidence. It gets in his head in terms of the types of runs he's going to make and how he's going to work. And, yeah, that that can create a problem. And when you get a little bit of fresh blood in there and, and somebody who can offer some different ideas, I think it helps everybody on the team. And, obviously, Klamala, I, I think, was the beneficiary of that last night. It's a shame that he didn't end up getting on the board. Um, but you could see that, that there was definitely a, a little bit of something extra uh, in the whole group last night. And I think that happens um, one from you know scoring early and and feeling good about the situation, but two just bringing in some new blood, and you got guys like Tyler Pasher and, and Kyle Duncan who've come into the squad, and um, you know whoever else is apparently training with the team. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think I think that those things will help, and I think that it's a a two way street in terms of the confidence and and sort of um, uh, uh service that he'll receive. Okay. You
0: had asked earlier about Lewis Morgan and his goals and the last time we had a double-digit goal scorer. Last year, we did not, with Patrick Lamala leading the team with seven goals. Going back to 2020, which was an abbreviated season, we did not. That's when Brian White led the team in six goals in all competitions, and there was no Open Cup that year. And then you go back to 2019, and Danny Royer had 14. So, uh, And then before that, 2018, we still had the good graces of Bradley, who had 24 that year. So, um, yeah, so Lewis Morgan is absolutely making a, uh, a statement here with um, with his work. And, yes, he, he does have a number of penalty goals, and, no, that, that, that should not necessarily um, consign him in, in any uh, stretch in terms of where he is. And, in fact— Lewis Morgan is, I'm going to do 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, ninth 26, 28. He is 29th on the all-time scoring list in all competitions. Lewis Morgan (laughs) is with his 14 goals. With his next goal, he will move up the list significantly and tie Dax McCarty. Moving up the charts with the bullet. Moving up the charts with the bullet, yes. So, <laughs> um, all right, one more email. Thank you, Ralph, for your, for your
1: note. Here's uh, the, uh, the next email read by Joe. This is from Charlie Ray. Hey, guys, longtime listener. Love the show. I just have one thing to say JMI is life. Charlie in Long Beach. I mean, Tolkien How can as, you argue as, I his personality, his play on the field. Uh, he's winning everyone over in in uh, a large amount. Yeah,
0: he he really is, and um, I I shared this uh, chat with um, with Kanji, but I mean he he is the premier young left back in the league. I mean yeah. he, there there's no there's no one that that I know that can that comes close to it, and um, he is a kid who just looking. He's twenty years old. He has. 58 professional games, to his credit, at age 20. And, you know, he's going to get 8, maybe 10 more this year, maybe 12 more. We'll see. But um, he's coming along really, really nicely, and uh, it's exciting to see. And it's exciting that we've had a terrific Seeing red episode 506. Joe calls Saturday evening's match a... One-nothing loss. <laughs> I'm going to call it a 3-2 win. We will be back on Seeing Red next week. I'd like to thank Steve Cangelosi, our guest, as always, Zach Feldman, our stat man, and, uh, and you for listening. Um, so enjoy the match. Uh, on Saturday at 4.30 before the match, Jochen Schneider will meet the press, and I will be on that call on Twitter. Um, So take a look and we'll hear what Schneider has to say. You heard a little bit from Kanji, what he has to say, but I think, um, I think some eyes will be open. So for Joe, I'm Mark. Thanks for listening. Let's go Red Bulls. We'll be back next week. Good night.
1: Thanks for listening to seeing red.
0: Get us anywhere. You get your podcasts and always at seeing